Well, this is an exciting time of the year. Everybody's getting ready for, uh, for the holidays. You guys doing good with all that? And I just wanted to share with you some things. If you research, do a little research during the Christmas holiday, you begin to find some pretty, uh, pretty amazing things. And one of the things that I found was, was things about Santa Claus. Do you know why Santa doesn't ever show You don't ever find him in a hospital. Do you know why? You guys don't You have to research this stuff. You have to look into it. It's because he has elf insurance. <clears throat> okay. okay. That's a bad one. Sorry. I got better ones. They're going to get better. No. Uh, no. It, it's really funny. I shared this last night. You guys know, anybody else here like to buy the advent calendars? Who, who does? You guys like to buy them? I do too. You know why I've, I found, I did a little research, you know why they're so hard to come by sometimes? Because their days are numbered. And here's, here's what I mean by that. I, uh, that's good humor, Peter. Come on, man. <laughs> it's for the kids. It's for the kids. Well, again, thank you guys for being here. Um, we uh, have been in a series called Wonder. Last few weeks, DJ started it off. And uh, talk to us a lot about just the, just the beautiful wonder of Christmas time and this time of year and how to find it. Dan talked about what, what wonder looks like last week. And I want to share with you just for a little time today about the wonder of God's word. Just the wonder of his word. And, and, and I also want to share a little bit about the wonder of your words and the power that our words have in our, in our lives I believe, if you look at Genesis all the way back in the beginning, chapter 1, verse 26 and 28, through 28, he, he creates the heavens prior to that, and how did he create them? He spoke it, and God said, let there be light. God said, let there be these things. Jesus is the Word. There's so many intricacies and wonderful things in the Word of God that they found that it's not just a linear book that has 66 authors written over thousands of years or whatever. You ever hear that one? It's that. But they found that it's, it's actually a, a message system. And when you start to explore the Word of God, particularly looking at the Hebrew words and the intricacies and the beautiful language that that is, and the Greek, it, it tells things that are beyond our comprehension, and you can't really see it without special tools and stuff, stuff. But if you are dedicated to finding it, you can find even more. So I said this last night. Here's an expression of God's beauty and his wonder. Here's a finite book, and yet you start doing some research and, and going after God and asking him things about the word, this becomes infinite. What you would hear from the Lord is so different from what I would ever hear and it multiplies, and it multiplies. It's a message system, man. It's, it's incredible. Matter of fact, I want to share with you a, a story about that. And some of you may have heard this, but in the, in the book of Genesis, chapter 5, DJ probably knows this, and Dan, I don't know, Bible scholars. I'm not a Bible scholar. I have to research a lot of this because um, my IQ is in the negative at this point right now. I'm trying to get it up, trying to get it up. Just got to study harder. Uh, I know I can do it. The Jewish rabbis have a quaint way of expressing the idea that the Bible is a message system. They say that they will not understand the scriptures until the Messiah comes. 
But when he comes, he will not only interpret each of the passages for us, he will interpret the very words. He will even interpret the very letters themselves. In fact, he will even interpret the spaces between the letters. When I first heard this, this guy's writing an article, I simply dismissed it. Thought it was a colorful exaggeration. But then he looked up in Matthew chapter 5, and this is one of those things where you start, you start to read it, and Jesus will take you on an adventure, man, and just through this. Jesus says this, Think not that I have come to destroy the Torah or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say to you, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no way pass from the law until all is fulfilled. And a jot and a tittle are the Hebrew equivalent to our dotting of an I or the crossing of a T. So there's a beautiful picture in the scriptures of what God wants us to see and, and wants us to experience. And in Genesis 5, you can look this up yourself. It's a mind blower. It, there's a genealogy that's listed. You ever walk, you ever read the genealogy, you're like, man, this is boring. You know, there was Methuselah, then there's Bahaka, and then there's John, and, uh, and you're like, man, what's that mean? Every word has a meaning. So in the Genesis chapter 5, if you go see, look at it, it's a genealogy. But if you find the, the root meaning of the words, here's what it says. Now, you call me crazy. Tell me that I'm out of my mind. You can. But this is what it says. When you look at the words, it's, it's in a message system. Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down teaching his death, shall bring the despairing rest or comfort. That's what those words mean. Adam means man, Seth, appointed, Enosh, mortal, on and on. It tells a story. But see, you wouldn't see that, right? You wouldn't understand that until you ask the Lord. And then his word becomes alive to you. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, the, the word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce through our minds and into our spirit, even through our body. Uh, that's pretty cool. Don't you think so? Here's, an, here's a, another thing. So I, I think I'm going to talk a little bit about this. But So we're talking about the word of God and, and the beauty of it. And he makes the heavens and earth. He calls man to, to you know, he's made us. And he says, go and have dominion and take, take charge, man. Have fun. You know, multiply. Enjoy what I've done. And uh, DJ said, pointed this out when we were talking in the teaching team. He said this, the wonder that we are co-creators with God and not consumers is an amazing thing. We're called to be co-creators. And what I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about today is how we can do that with our words. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. And sometimes in my life, my heart has not been in a good place, so guess what happens? My words aren't good. Janelle reminded me of this. The wonder starts in the heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So anytime we start to see our words being negative, which I find happen a lot in my life, I'm more of a, at times, I'm not always this way, and I think over the, over the years, God has led me through not being such a pessimist, but I feel like I can be pessimistic. You guys ever been pessimistic? Am I the only one? Yeah, I knew I was the only one. <laughs> see, that's what a pessimistic does right there. I spilled water. Anyway, uh, my wife Amy is 
has always been the glass is half full, and it's actually more than that. It's probably three quarters, if not overflowing. And I'll say, no, it's about a third, and it's emptying right now as we speak. <laughs> and she always helps me to find the joy in life. She's brought me so much joy. Thank you, sweetie. Women are the greatest gift we have this side of heaven, men. And it's a gift from the Lord. It's a precious thing that they would even love someone like us. Sometimes we wonder, you know, a lot of body hair. <laughs> Just being real. A lot of smells that aren't necessarily pleasant. Belching. All that. And they still love us. So thank you, ladies. You don't have to do that. Uh, so here we are, and we're talking about heaven, we're talking about God's word, and he creates us, and he wants us to enjoy it. And often you'll see in Genesis, for example, I said this last night, uh, it's often called the book of beginnings. There's seeds that are planted in Genesis that will find fruition in the book of Revelation. And if you follow these threads, that's when it becomes even more amazing. You start to see all this stuff. It's finite. And yet it's infinite. It's wonderful. Well, God often would, would uh, and you see references to this throughout the scripture, he would take people outside and there's a reference to the heavens and look at this and look at this. And it's amazing. And there's one of these stories where he takes Abraham out. It's in Genesis chapter 15. He's talking to Abraham and he says these words to him. He says, well, let's see here. Yeah. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. This is Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And by the way, this is all in the U version in the, you know, uh, the notes, my notes. Sometimes I jump around, so I'm sorry if I do. But after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what shall you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar. Eliezer the, of Damascus. And Abraham said, Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This shall not be your heir. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now think about hearing those words. Pretty powerful. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven and number the stars if you can. I, I just love this. I, it's just a simple story, but it's so amazing. He's just, imagine God taking Abraham out, putting his arm around him, and say, look up there, man. Can you count those? If you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. That's just one of many examples of, of how the heavens, it says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. You want to look out in the universe and see some of that stuff, that's tied into his word. Matter of fact, if you start looking at some of the most amazing facts about the universe, there's just, it's unbelievable. They're finding, we live in a three-dimensional world, right, primarily, and then what, you know what the fourth dimension is? It's time. We have length, height, depth, but time is the fourth. They've found mathematically that there's 10, they believe there's 10 to 11 dimensions in our universe that we cannot they cannot understand it. They see the math behind it. I think that's just one of those things that God's just going to blow us away. I think there's more than 11. There's probably 13. <laughs> Maybe four, 14. 14. I think it's infinite, man. Infinite dimensions. Infinite things. So all I'm saying is, 
it takes time and effort to press into those things, but God loves us so much. He loves you so much. He wants to reveal these mysteries, and it brings the wonder. But sometimes my heart is not able to see that because I get in a dark place, and then what comes out of my mouth isn't agreement with that word, isn't agreement with the wonder. It's a negative view. Oftentimes, do you ever find yourself where you feel like you're being stripped of things in your life? Things are going hard? Me too. And I've found, I've concluded this, I think oftentimes if I see it right, if my heart sees it right, it's not the Lord being angry and trying to be mean. He's drawn me closer to him. He's letting me simplify some things. But if I see it right, if I'm tuned in and I'm agreeing with his word, I see that a lot faster. I'm not so much caught up in the, the darkness that I go to. You know, they, they found that there's these 11 dimensions. One of the, and there's just amazing facts about the universe. He's taken Abraham and says, look up there. And I always like to think there could be a more to that story, you know. If he has his arm around Abram and he says, look at that. And he goes, you see that bright one right there? Where, Lord? That one right there. See that bright one? I call him little Petey. Why would he call? Why have all these weird names? God could name them. He names them whatever he wants, right? And the one right next to him, see that little dimmer? Yeah, that's Dorcas. I call her Dorcas. And Abram's like, what the crud are you talking about? He's like, man, she's a fireball. That one, that one's a fire. Anyway, all I'm saying is he names it all. He knows it all, right? Do you agree with that? I do too. They found that there's black holes in every galaxy that they can't even explain, but they know they're there. And they, wasn't, they, they didn't even believe that for years. There's no black holes. Do you know that there's only, what we see, the matter that makes our bodies and your body, all of our bodies, and all the celestial stars and planets that they see makes up about 4 to 5% of the matter in the universe. You know what the rest is? There's two things they're finding. Dark energy and dark matter that they have no idea what it is. <laughs> it's like the Lord is just like, man, just come on, let me show you some more. Here you go. All I'm saying is it's wonderful. Wouldn't you agree? And if we start to see some of these things, the wonder grows. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Matter of fact, if you take your thumb, everybody hold your thumb up just for a second. I'm going to do a little science experiment. Now, every second, neutrinos, they're called, from the sun, which is a part of the nuclear reaction. It's a result of the nuclear reaction going on. A billion of those just pass through your thumb in one second. And another billion. Uh, there's two billion. Three billion. Four. I mean, it goes on and on. That's a mystery, man. That, does that, doesn't that blow your mind? Peter likes this stuff, too. I know. You and I talk about this. It's amazing. We're like universe nerds, and we, we just read about this stuff. But to me, that's just one of so many things. And my point is this. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I don't know. I just get blown away by it. Well, if you look at John chapter, I want to I share with you this, this, these few thoughts before we close here about the word and the power of your words. I believe this, if we change our heart, going back to this for a little bit, we see God's wonder, we have some heart change, our words will change, and we'll begin to see more and more wonder, more and more of God's wonder. But I find myself in a dark place. Um, I have recently been asking myself, how, how have my words been lately? Well, let's just focus on just that for a minute. We talked about God's words, Mr. but my words... And there's no condemnation in this. We all have bad days. That's fine. I'm saying there's a progression, hopefully, of 
realizing my negative words, looking at my heart, changing it, and letting more positive words come out. Because Jesus said many things about our words. You'll be held accountable for careless words. And I don't mean that. That doesn't mean you're going to not be in heaven. I don't, I don't believe that's what he's saying. There's going to be an accountability that we probably are going to go, man, I could have created a lot more positive life for man, but maybe now I can do better. It's that kind of thing. Like, man, it's not no, no hard feelings. Just get on board. The sooner you get on board with it, the better it is. It says in John, 1 John chapter 1, this is all referring now to Jesus. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word was God and was with God, excuse me. He was in the beginning with God. All things are made through Him. Without Him, not anything is made that is anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Another reference to Jesus being the Word and the power of the Word. So I said to myself, where's my heart been? What have I been doing? Negative words destroy. Negative words create death, I believe. A negative atmosphere. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever found yourself just cursing your finances and not blessing them? (laughs) There's never enough money. It's empty again. There's so many distractions out there, but I start looking at the natural instead of looking at the eternal, and I start to get caught up in this stuff that I, that I don't believe the Lord wants me to be looking at. He wants me to be looking de- at the, a different dimension. Remember, I shared this with you, and we've taught on this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, at the, ver- at the very end, Paul says something very amazing. He says, don't look to the temporal Look to the eternal. There's two dimensions that we are spiritual. There's a spiritual dimension of eternal things that you cannot see, and there's a temporal realm that you see. They're coexisting, and I think God wants us, he says, he refers all the time, look to the unseen. Look to the things that are not seen. Look to the up, up, things that are up there, not down here. Those kind of things. And the more we set our mind on that, I'm submitting to you guys, I believe God will reveal more and more of his mystery and wonder, and what will come out of your mouth is creative things. Wonderful things, powerful things over your marriage, over your life, your finances. It's not name it and claim it, but there's a power in agreeing with God's word and confessing it out loud. Someone asked me one time, I was doing some counseling with them. They said, "What, Rob, what's been the most powerful thing that's changed you? And there's been a lot, but I would say one of the most is simply reading the word of God, agreeing with it, and speaking it out loud over my situation and watching what God does. It's awesome. I cannot explain. You, do you guys know what I'm talking about? There's power in it. And he's given us co-creative power to speak life. You can speak life during Christmas season, during this season, or death. I've spoken a lot of death. Shoot, we're going to go over see Aunt Nellie again? Doggone it, Aunt Nellie. I don't like being around Aunt Nellie. It's make, I'm making it up, son. Sorry. I just, I'm not lying. I'm just, I'm just adding some... F- you know, <laughs> license. But you guys know what I'm saying. Coming together as families is difficult and challenging, and we don't like it sometimes. And we speak, at least I have, this is going to be 
a type of show that I don't like. It's going to be a smelly show. It's going to be bad. Well, what am I doing? I'm creating a reality that you will have what you say, man. And I've seen it happen. And I go, and sure enough, Aunt Nellie is a beehive. And it's a smelly show, once again. And I'm saying, it's like the Lord's the same son. Now, I'm not saying it's name it and claim it. I'm saying we can't. I'd much rather speak life over something and have a right attitude than speak death. Right? Our words are powerful. So I was praying with this family one time. And this is just a simple example. Again, I'm not saying this happens all the time. But they were going into the Christmas season, going to visit their family. And it's always been hard and difficult and really challenging and all that. And I just asked them. I, I think the Lord put it on my heart. And they agreed. Hey, why don't we just why don't we pray and speak life over your family before you go? Bless Aunt Nellie. Let there be life over Christmas this time. Lord, let your, feel, let your love be, whatever. Speak life. And you know what happened? They came back and said it was the greatest Christmas they've ever had. Because something changed in the atmosphere, man. And part of it was because of their attitude, I believe, agreeing with God's word and speaking life, which we can do. We can definitely do every day of our lives. See, what happens is when we get in this negative cycle, there's a cycle that's known, and I've shared this before, but it's, and some of you probably know this, but we get hurt, and then we get angry, and then you know what we do after that? We begin to protect ourselves. And those protections can vary with every human being. If we get hurt, we get angry, and we protect, think about how you might be protecting yourself. And I'm submitting this. DJ had a brilliant idea. He said, I love that cycle. Why don't, can you speak to the reverse of that? And I'm like, man, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. So you can fill in the blank for what you think would be the reverse of that, but here's what I thought would be a cool reversal of that. Right? We get hurt, you get angry, you protect. So then our heart starts to get dark, and we begin to speak death. That's kind of the cycle, because we're in this hurt zone. But here's another... another uh, example of what that might look like. We receive love. Think about words, care. We feel accepted. We're not angry. We feel accepted. And then we let our protections down. That can happen with your words. It really can. You can speak life and watch that happen. We have to own some of this stuff, and it, and it really, I get in that cycle all the time. I'm hurt. I get angry. And, and by the way, Paul says in Ephesians 4, anger is not a sin, right? It's not. He said, be angry, but there's three things that come along with that. Don't sin in it, which can be a lot of things. Don't let the sun go down on it, because you deal with it. Go to... Do you ever ask yourself why you're angry? This is the simplest thing, but I get angry, and I, and I don't know why. But when I stop long enough, I go, where's that coming from, man? You know what happens? I believe the Lord starts to show you thoughts and what happened. And you can go into that pain and deal with it. Take responsibility for it instead of speaking death out of that anger, which I've done many times. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a system. It's a message system that releases life when we agree with it, when we see it. 
We can reverse that cycle. We get hurt, we get angry, we protect ourselves. I believe God's word is one of, if not the most powerful thing in the universe. I, I really do. And when we agree with it, there's power in it. Another expression of the infinite nature, I said this is finite, yet it's infinite. You know, you know what another one is that I found? Our, our brains. It's a finite organ. But you know what they're finding? The mind is infinite. Infinite creativity, infinite thoughts. They're just beginning to scrape it. I mean, we use, what do we use? Like 1% of our brain? I think DJ uses about 25% of his, which is, I understand. But no, seriously, it's, they say it's like 10% or less. Einstein used maybe 20%. I don't know what it, I mean, I don't even know how they figure that out. But all I'm saying is there's a lot going on up there, amen, to explore, to find things. And it starts with the word. The tongue is a powerful thing. There's power in agreeing with God's word. Three little thoughts to take away with you about the power of God's word. Because James says, by the way, in chapter 3, he says this. If you look at that, man, it can be a little depressing when you read through James chapter 3. But the essence of it is the tongue is the most powerful thing. And who can, who can tame it, tames their whole life. Whoa. So there's something there the Lord's trying to say to us. It's not name it and claim it, but watch. Do an experiment maybe over the next few weeks. I did this once, and it was profound. I, I probably need to do it again. Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Let the Lord show you what's coming out of your mouth. Don't be condemned. Don't be, oh, man, I'm... And, and just ask him, Lord, help me to change those words by changing... He's going to go right here first. From the abundance of this, the, the, the mouth speaks. So there's something there that's hurting you and bothering you probably, and you can deal with that, the pain, get healing, and watch what comes out of your mouth. Life. You, you can speak blessing over anything that you choose. So three points about words that I'll end, end close with here. Oh, I got 11 minutes. Is that 11 a.m.? No, it's 11.03 a.m. How many more minutes do I have? Just a few more? I've got another hour, they said. Okay, good. Buckle in. Buckle up. No, three points. Words create an atmosphere. Words bring life or death. Words change your reality. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, uh, God is speaking to his people, and he essentially says this. I set before you life and death. All creation sees it. Here's life and death. Choose life. Don't choose death. And, in, and I think he would, I would add to that. If you do choose death, there's a way to change it. <laughs> That's not adding to scripture. That's just my own thought. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. Now think about that. That's powerful, man. We can choose life or death. Blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. You know, one of the things that I have learned in, when I counsel people is that I call it the blessing and the curse. There's things that have been spoken over you. Sometimes it's even before you were born in the womb that create an atmosphere and oftentimes uh, cause rejection, even in the womb. God's outside of time. So when we ask him if there's something that's showing and we're, we're showing signs of rejection and pain, 
He'll show us things that you cannot fathom in the natural realm. Does that make sense? He'll speak to you. I knew a, a gal that one time, a friend of mine was working with her. She was like 35, very young, attractive, successful woman, but exuding rejection wherever she went. Couldn't figure it out. So they started praying. Lord, show her. You know what she saw? She saw a picture of two people foggy b- b- arguing. And they said, Lord, let, let that become more clear. She said, Lord, let, show me what this is. And then she saw a man and a woman arguing. I didn't want that baby. You did. You idiot. You're the one who got pregnant. Not me. I didn't want to get pregnant. You made me get pregnant. You know who it was? Her parents. God showed her something in the womb that her parents didn't want her. And there was rejection there. Now, she was able to, from that, she was able to forgive her parents and, and deal with that pain and speak life, man. That's amazing to me. That's supernatural. But you can do that. I can do that. God wants us to do it. He invites us to it. He wants us to know the truth, to be set free. He wants us to know it. It's not, it's not something weird. It's not something weird at all. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. See how powerful you guys are? We don't see ourselves that way. Co-creators, as DJ mentioned to me, so powerful. Um, a couple other scriptures. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, the, the accountability I was talking to you about. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And I think there's going to be a sense of, man, I could have created a lot more. No condemnation. Lord, show me how to speak careful words. (laughs) Words are powerful, powerful. Proverbs 12, 14 says this, From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. And then lastly, I, I want to share with you a few words of one of my, I think it's one of the most powerful stories in the New Testament. Because it's, it's, it's a story of, if we see it right, us and our love for Jesus, if we see it. We're not the same person, but the experience. And I'm going to just read it to you. It's out of Luke chapter 7, verses 36. I'm going to start there. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of oil and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. What a scandalous thing. She's a prostitute. That's what that means. She is somebody that if as a man, I just started to look. If someone did that to me, that I knew was a prostitute, I'd say, man, it's okay. I appreciate, but I don't want people to see something that's weird here. This is weird. What are they going to say? I, Jesus is loving this woman, experiencing his forgiveness. Now, the, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman This is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. 
She's a prostitute. She's a whore. She doesn't belong here. How could she ever do this? But something changed in her heart. Something changed because of the words of Jesus. Simon, I have something to say to you. Jesus said, and he answered, say it, teacher. I was kind of like that, like, yeah, give it to me. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. Denarii was about a day's wage, apparently, I believe. And the other 50, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards a woman, he said to this, now listen to these words, so powerful. Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who, forgive, who is forgiven little loves little. I believe this is an issue of the heart. It's not a matter of how much sin I've committed. People look at it that way. Well, I didn't do drugs, and I didn't do this. Well, I just grew up in a Christian family. It, it's not that. There's not a degree of sin here, right? We've all dropped the ball. But her heart was changed by the word of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and she was able to express love to him. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those are powerful words. It's awesome if we hear God speak that to us. It changes our heart. We can repent. We can change our mind. And no, we're forgiven, past, present, future. But we got to realign with this amazing truth and just start speaking it, believing it. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, I love this about Jesus. He comes from every angle and just speaks life. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow, what a story. What a wonderful story. Um, Dan said this in our teaching team meeting. He said, you know, we can practice speaking words of life now. And I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, again, Dan, I thought it was powerful. Not so much. I, I just thought maybe if you want, we can do, uh, take a moment. And I want, maybe we'll do this. I'll just pray. And you don't have to speak it out loud, but maybe God will give you something to change and then to speak something in your spirit over an area in your life that maybe you know you've been a bit negative about. Maybe that's what we'll do. Is that okay? Is that okay with everybody? No condemnation. I'm just saying, man, we come into this Christmas season. I want to be able to speak life to people in the, in the uh, grocery line. You know, Dan challenged us with that, and it was so powerful. I started thinking about it. Look for wonder around you, and I miss it a lot. But when he said that, I've been intentional about, Lord, let me change my heart. I don't want to be tapping my feet in the line. You bought 60 boxes of candy canes? How about the rest of us, lady? I was just about to pick up a box of candy canes and you bought them all and I get angry and I miss opportunities to bless people. 
why did you buy 15 gingerbread houses? That's the last one there. I, want, I wanted one or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Instead of, Lord, I want to speak life today. So, Lord, I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord to do a work in our hearts and show us new wonderful things. Amen? Father, thank you for the wonder of your word. Thank you that you've given us your word. Jesus is the word. And we pray right now together that, Lord, we would agree with your word. In any area in our heart that might need to change, Lord, speak it to us in your gentle, loving way. If we're caught in this cycle of, I mean, I got hurt, I'm angry, and I'm protecting myself, Lord, speak into that in our lives so we can speak life, we can choose life today. Whatever's going on in all of our hearts, Lord, and I know there's, there's always something. You gently, lovingly, no condemnation, speak to that area when we give you permission. So we give you permission, Lord. And as our hearts change, Lord, let our words change. Let us see the wonder more and more this Christmas season. It's an amazing time to speak life, to choose life. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.